The gospel is truly a foreign gift in this world. It doesn't belong. And no wonder Jesus prayed then today, as you heard, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. God has hidden salvation from the pursuit of humanity's hands and glories. The claim of Jesus about revelation given to little children is meant to kill pride. It's a call to baptism and the repentant life to trust God's grace towards sinners. Jesus brings relief by way of redemption to a world, get this, a world that cannot establish paradise. Now it's common that when, you, when Jesus speaks comforting words like you hear today, things are just the opposite. Come to me was the plea made by God's Son when things were not well. But notice he wasn't complaining. And notice before he said, come to me, he prayed. He prayed in confidence, not over the weariness of who would believe and who would not, but he, he rejoiced in the Father that we reveal it to little children. What was not well was a lot of things. John the baptizer was locked up in prison by this time with, by Herod. Doubts and questions around who Jesus was was kind of circulating. What is this guy all about? Likewise, the Galilean cities where he did most of his ministry and all the wondrous mighty acts and miracles and all the preaching of the gospel, guess what? They had no repentance. They liked what he gave, and yeah, they had some struggles in life and they felt sorry for the way things were, but in the end, they had no repentance. And repentance means a change of mind and heart, and it's something that doesn't come by man, but as a gift of God, and of course, in the face of Jesus. So all this was going on. And so for our land, we're yoked to a famous saying, and we're kind of coming out of the holiday week with the celebration of fireworks and all that stuff of freedom. We have a famous saying in our land, and we're yoked to it. Remember, a yoke is kind of how you hold uh, oxen and cattle for doing stuff, you know. And the famous saying is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You all know it pretty well, pretty catchy, kind of a necessary thing. It's a good way to think. But what happens when we, in a land, don't know what life is anymore? And when life becomes now something of death, what happens when liberty is no longer freedom for good, but liberty and a license to sin and selfishness? What happens when the pursuit of happiness makes everybody else sad in such a competitive culture of ours that has, many ways, lack of love for our neighbor? 
And yet, what do you hear today? Do you hear what I hear? The Old Testament reading is very unique. It's kind of odd. It's one of those readings from Zechariah that you hear during Advent, the start of the season of Advent, and when Jesus comes to Holy Week on Palm Sunday. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation, humbled and mounted on a donkey. Jesus freely calls out to rest in love where he carries and cares for you. The law is God's good toward mankind. But remember, the law will always leave any weary, burdened, and at last, dead. Life continues to carry a weight as it comes upon us, no matter what country we live in, because it's rooted, this weightiness, not in the law, but in original sin. Jesus sees this oppression. We can deny it. We can say people are born neutral into the world and we're free and we're shaped by how we're socially raised and all that stuff. I know it. I talk to it about the same stuff too, but original sin is deeper. It goes back to Adam and Eve and it roots all races and people, all countries and all generations to that corruption. And Jesus sees that oppression that we all naturally share in an inherited slavery of sin. No nation can govern so beautifully to remove that spiritual death before the true God. So it's not going to come from government. Drivenness over life, that kind of mentality that's pragmatic in our culture, do, 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 it's just got to really be relevant. Well, that's good and all. But even the claims of love that we want to make will not replace the law's perfect picture. And it's a pretty big reality. The net result throughout the world is a heaviness caused by adultery against God and his true word. Liberty, too, that's a great thing, except our flesh has limits. Lawlessness is a reckless spirit. I think you can figure that out today. You don't even got to be a Christian. Just talk to a cop in a big city. But lawlessness is a freedom that cares nothing for God or people. It's to be a free-ranging kind of person, right? at the expense of family, church, and state. To be yoked to nothing but your way right away. And at the same time, don't get fooled, the law never lets go with the yoke it administers upon life. Liberty in this land still proves that limits and weariness of works outdoes sinners. So yeah, we need to exercise the laws we already have. We need to reconsider what makes laws good. But the law is going to do us in. The weightiness upon sinners does not go well. 
Happiness is also better than sadness. That's a good thing. But that pursuit, that pursuit of happiness is never ending. The wise and understanding, we see them on TV, you might know some who boast about it, friends or family, of success and glory, but that quickly cannot endure with Jesus. An inheritance, I gotta manage my money now, but now they miss going to church. The glories of success, of getting a degree, or getting a bigger church, or getting whatever it may be, quickly, very quickly, get in the way of Christ. A happy face is proven to uplift people, right? This is why, psychologically speaking, you go to Walmart, someone greets you, and they say, hello, right? That makes you feel good. That's not a bad thing. And yet Jesus sees how the soul of any person suffers behind the scenes with pains of sin, not just what they've done, but what's been done against them, the regrets they face in life, or the wounds they have felt from loss. Repentance is God's use of the law to reign on our plans. Since feelings have kept none from hell. You're not going to feel your way to God and then put yourself into heaven. Be careful. And that's what many of the younger generation, mine and much younger, because they're lost in how to think, go to their emotions. We want people to be happy and pursue that, but what if they don't know what happiness no longer is and the right feelings that go the right way? And so we need repentance, a certain kind of brokenness, a mind and a change of heart that only God can give. Pursuit of happiness follows us to the grave. But the question is this. What makes for a blessed end? That's really hard. Yeah, we want the family, we want the friends, we want to look back and say the life was so fulfilled, and that could be. But when we ask that question as Christians, what is a blessed end? It's what came to you when you were a baby, or when you came to faith to trust in him who is our good shepherd. And so the law cannot give what Christ freely calls out as, a good, as good news of rest in him. Rest in relief, relieved by another. You heard what he says. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. To humanity's sinful slavery, Jesus says a wonderful thing that nobody else can say. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And so his drivenness as the word sets the prisoners free from the waterless pit of sin and death 
that drowns a person in hopelessness. And that's what's happening much today is a hopelessness that even can smile when it's no, it's going all in a bad way. False idols in the name of freedom, guess what? They still serve Satan. While the free gift of God is to save by the justifying blood given in his son. Jesus delivers forgiveness because he was beaten with all that we've experienced. He was feeling the judgment that we keep trying to avoid. And he didn't avoid it so that we might know God's voice is good. For you to count on God as he gathers the weak and the weary over life. And the first thing he says every time when we come and gather is to confess our sins and to hear him say, I forgive you your sins. Repentant faith has the promise. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. And so, in a world today, the Christian ought to have greater hope than what the world ever hopes in, what the world want to boast in, because we know out of the cross, God can make greater things that even we can't see. Rest with the liberty then that Jesus has promised. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. What poured upon us by baptism was not a self-made glory or an obedience to the law. Don't turn it into your decision. God dedicates and also does something great to you in baptism by water and the word. Instead, God by his word cuts us off from the limits of the law and the penalty of death. Exchange for the law's curse on works is freedom for the baptized to be yoked to the king and his cross. And so when a person gets baptized, baby or an adult, the pastor as part of the rite, the ritual, is that we make the sign of the cross both upon the forehead and upon the heart. The way we are to think and the way we are to feel are now being shaped by Jesus, who has loved us by his mind and heart. That is God for sinners. Prisoners of hope we are to his word before any suffering, heartache, or failure. And so security outside of self is to confess like St. Paul says, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He didn't say my Lord. He said our Lord, because St. Paul recognizes it isn't just him. We're all connected of needing that same deliverance of the word that might be work in our life to trust in God and live in his righteousness, not our rightness. And so rest having happiness kept in Christ for you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Contentment is following God's Son and to endure in the love of his sacrifice over life. Here's a big thing to consider today. The word, take my yoke and learn, are imperatives. 
The come wasn't an imperative. It was just an invitation. But those who come are to take and learn. And so to be little children, we got one in our midst today who truly is a little child. She takes the yoke upon her as a gift in baptism, but now she is to learn. To learn from his faithful word in the way of the cross. The soul's relief from sin, death, and, and regrets over the law belong to the care of our Lord. You understand this? This is why we're in such trouble and pain in our country because we keep changing the law because in the end we have no confidence in God and frankly we don't even believe in God as much as we think even when we say it. So we change the laws. When the problem isn't the laws, is that we have to go back to the first thing. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. Luther says in the large catechism, we must never think of the sacrament as something harmful from which we had better flee, but as a pure, wholesome, comforting remedy that grants salvation and comfort. So that means happiness is not to avoid church. Not to avoid the care of the ministers of his word that the church calls to deliver the gifts of Jesus publicly and privately. Not to ignore that in the end, happiness is how God pursues us. And Jesus does this by his holy word and sacraments. Since strength and glories of men do not gather to Jesus, he extends the best greeting to the burdened and the broken, not just for our nation, but for the whole world. Come to me. It's the best declaration. I love this text. And it should mark, frankly, every doorway and sign of churches. Come to me, all you weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. It's to be not ashamed of the gospel, for God's grace is for the weary of this world. The sound of July comes with the humility of Jesus to save. He suffered and died to draw close to you as in as any in this spoiled paradise. And that isn't just what a nation can build, but what you might put in your own family. Perfect families aren't possible. But a perfect Savior put into families changes the whole picture by grace. And so, you see, his resurrection upholds the Father's love. It's always good. Jesus does not fail the weak and the weary, and yoked to Christ is not being dragged around. And believe me, if you're not yoked to Jesus, you're yoked to something, and it's going to do something to you, because you're not driving your life as much as you think you are. And this is why being yoked to Jesus isn't dragging us around but find to rest in him. You ever ask yourself why a pastor has a stole? Okay, it says you're a pastor, great. A stole is kind of like a yoke, as it was taught to me in the seminary. And what does a yoke do? You go this way and you go that way. Believe me, it's hard too to preach the word 
and to deliver the gifts of Jesus against the spiritual darknesses and and despair of this world. But it's folly to rest all of us in Christ. A love where he carries and cares for us all. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding be with your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting where that truly is a paradise of salvation and even the resurrection on the last day. Amen.